it's uh, it's, it's, it's I haven't we haven't used these front fill lights in a while. These front fill lights are so that you can like see faces uh, and not just uh, shadows. And I'm sure <laughs> Kathy's not her hand. She's like, yeah, it's been a while <laughs> because I can barely see you, and it's kind of weird. Can we actually bring house lights up a little bit? Wherever I go, I always ask them to bring house lights up, and they're always annoyed. They're like, but we have a vibe in the room. I was like, I know, but I care less about the vibe and more about connecting with you and seeing your faces. So anyways, okay. Um, so question, when, when Raphael was up here, he talked about uh, spam folders. So I was, I was, it got me curious, because I know there's all sorts of kind of people in the room. Um, how many emails do you have in your inbox? Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, it, it was, let's, let's start... Um, I don't know. I've just seen I, I, what I thought was a high number. Apparently, is not a high number. Uh, if you have more than ten thousand emails in your inbox, I know some of you guys are like you feel the Holy Spirit grieved right now when you hear that. Uh, me too. Trust me. But um, how many? Honest moment. Raise your hand if you have more than ten thousand emails in your inbox. Yeah, I'm sure your friends and spouse are like not surprised. Okay, let's uh, like five thousand and more. Yeah. Okay, 5,000, 10,000, okay, 1,000 to 5,000, anybody? Is there, is, like, okay, like 100 to 1,000. Okay, so, you know, you're trying to get your life in order. I see that. I see that. You're trying to keep up. Anybody that, like, tries to get to inbox zero every day? Yes, my people, my people. Jesus' hand would be up right now uh, if he... I can't prove that, but I'm sure there's a verse about it. But uh, just curious, just to get you, you know, just for you to be vulnerable uh, about who you are. We, just, we love you regardless. Uh, we want to help you if you have a lot of emails, but, you know, we'll, we'll pray for you. Um, but, uh, hey, welcome to the new space. Welcome to the new space. Uh, let me show you. <laughs> it's, it is amazing. Okay, so here's what's interesting. Uh, if you grew up in church, how many of you guys, like, sat in the same spot every week? Like, you, like, staked your claim. Like, if you got to church and someone was sitting in your pew or chair, you'd be like, what are you doing? This is our settlement right here. Right? Anybody like that? Okay, so this is a new space. We're going to change up chairs as we, you know, flex the space and remove walls and all that kind of stuff. But you guys get a chance to stake your claim. All right, so, you know, just make sure you're known. You can write your name on the bottom of the chair underneath if you'd like. You can purchase the chair, and we'll keep it here for you if you want to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of a fun thing. I don't know that with any other, any other space, but, uh, like, churches and Christians, we're kind of weird. Uh, all right, so, well, hey, last Wednesday... Uh, we had our uh, first look. So we, had, we invited the Dream Team. We'll explain what that is. But we invited everyone uh, to come out, and we called it the three Ps. It was pizza, because uh, you can't do a, a church event without pizza. How you feed a large quantity of people for the cheapest possible pizza. Uh, uh, and then a prayer, obviously praying over the different spaces, and then prepping the space. So people were putting furniture and chairs together and vacuuming and doing stuff and vacuuming again and doing stuff and vacuuming again. Uh, we probably vacuumed the space a thousand times. You can't tell because the carpet... Um, is is what it is. Uh, so what we're going to do is, if anybody would like to, when we get rid of this carpet, and we will get rid of the carpet, lest you question our uh, design aesthetic, uh, it, it, we will send you a piece to your house. Uh, actually, when, before we got the building, when we first uh, toured it, there were like thrones here, like like prom court. Uh, there were like uh, some, some thrones up here, and I was, I was telling Michael and Ann in the lobby before, uh, we texted on the elders, what do you think of the space, and uh, Yi and Amy were like, oh, that's cool, and they, they were like, oh, we, you know, don't lose the thrones. And so I made a mental note of like, I'm going to drop ship these thrones to Yi and Amy's house, 
It's just for funsies. But then the last church took them, so that kind of took my joy away. I'm sure they were expensive. But if we could have done homecoming court as well here, if we could have voted <laughs> for, you know, people. Uh, so you'll see this uh, space shift. But the, the last, last uh, Wednesday when we got together, actually, let me show you a picture. Um, if you want to put the picture up, that's this wall. So I just want to give you a perspective of just a little thing to change. That was like this space uh, right here. So that was four days ago. Uh, so kudos to the team because there are a lot of people that really, like, we're literally here like early morning to like late at night pushing midnight several nights in a row to get the space ready. Uh, but it reminded me actually of, some of you guys were here during this phase of pre-launch. You can take the picture down. <laughs> but pre-launch, three and a half years ago when we launched the church, right before that we had a group of people uh, that kind of carried the weight of this church and we called it launch team. And essentially we're a bunch of people that believed in the vision of the church that said, hey, count me in, I'll help carry uh, the load. A lot of you guys were a part of that, but it reminded me of that season again, where everyone was kind of chipping in going, hey, you know, some people were skilled labor. Uh, some people were like myself were very unskilled labor. Like I can just move stuff. I can move a paintbrush. I can move heavy things from here to there. Uh, you know, and so some people were able to help financially, obviously, because it takes enormous uh, amount of resources to get lift off as in any organization, but particularly a church. Uh, but we would talk about on Wednesday night with the team that we all had this consensus that there was something shifting in the atmosphere. There was something changing. People were leaning in during times of worship. People were leaning in during times of prayer. People were inviting their friends. Like something was shifting. Um, so uh, it's this, this next season, uh, just so we're on the same page, we've talked about it, is going to be a messy middle. Uh, the team's been working, again, really hard morning and evening. Uh, but it, it's, it's this, this space, and when I say this space, I mean the lobby and the kids' space as well, which if you want to after church, you can kind of tour that whole area there. Madison uh, will take you around and kind of show you around. Um, but uh, it's not where we want it to be. Uh, but it's not where it used to be either, right? It's not where it was four, four days ago. So you're going to see this thing go through a bunch of changes. So our plan, just so we're on the same page again, is um, to do kind of minor improvements week to week, things that we don't need pullets for, uh, permits for. Uh, so you'll hopefully, it's almost like you when you drive on the five and you're like, you see construction, it's like your tax dollars hard at work. So uh, you'll, see, you'll see improvements week over week of like your tithe dollars hard at work, I guess, for lack of better words, a lot of Home Depot runs. So we're going to improve it little by little each week to kind of iterate and iterate. Um, thank you for your patience with that. And then once we get our permits approved from the city, then we can do stuff like tear down walls and then combine classrooms and the kids space to make it way more uh, usable. So I just want to thank you for your patience with this whole thing, because I realize uh, it's a little weird, uh, and you can go to a church down the street that kind of has everything put together, and you know, like, there's no dust or weird tiles or burgundy carpet that, again, we'll, we'll, we'll send you a swatch to your house if you'd like some. Uh, you can recarpet your garage with this, um, but we'll make sure that it's safe, uh, make sure that it's clean, but it's going to be weird for a little bit, just so you know, uh, especially with the kids' spaces. Uh, kids are doing awesome. Famous last words, but the sermon will be shorter today. All right, I'm going to try my best. Uh, so, but uh, the kids' spaces especially will be safe. They'll be clean, but they'll be fun, too, a lot more fun than the adult space. Uh, but it'll be fun, but it's going to be weird, just so you know. It's going to be weird. So uh, also, hello to anybody. I don't know which camera's on, but whoever's watching in the parent-supervised rooms. Uh, thank you for... Uh, particularly for allowing us to have a family service today with the kids here. Uh, and that's mainly because some of the most bought-in, great, amazing Dream Team volunteers are the kids' volunteers. And we wanted them to be able to be part of this too and not kind of over in their own little quadrant. So one of the questions that we talk about all the time here, if you've spent any amount of time in the church, is we ask this question over and over again. It's, who are you becoming as a person? Right? Who are you becoming? Not who you intend to be. Not what, what does your vision board say you're going to be? What are you going to about to start doing so that you become this? Who you 
who are you actually becoming? Who are you actually becoming? In light of the, the habits you have right now, in light of uh, your eating habits, your fitness habits, your relationship habits, how you handle conflict, how you handle challenges, who are you actually becoming, right? And so one of the ways we comport it is if you were to take your decisions, your habits from the last like two or three weeks and copy and paste them for the rest of your life, who would you end up becoming? And is that who you want to be? Is that who God's called you to be? Because I think we can make decisions based on, well, here's what I want to be. Here's what I intend to be. I'm about to start doing this and this. But the problem is you've been about to start doing that for years now, right? You're about to start changing things for years now. And so what are you actually doing? The reason why we, that's important uh, for you is, is it's just as important for us as a church. So who are we becoming as a church? Not who we, need, who we intend to be, but who, we, who are we actually becoming as a church? It's really important for us to talk about that. I heard a, a guy speak about marriage uh, years ago, and he, he started out his talk with, he goes, he goes, marriage is like Denny's. It's like going to eat at Denny's. I'm like, where are you going with this? He goes, no one plans to go to Denny's. He goes, you just kind of wind up at Denny's. <laughs> you know, he, he talked about marriage like, you never, you never planned on your marriage to be this way, but you kind of wound up there, so we got to deal with the fact that you're at Denny's. Right, so, but for us as a church, a lot of churches will get to a place where they're about something they never intended to be about, that they're known for something they never intended to be known about, that they make decisions on, based on values that there were not their initial values, but might made right, loud became the right, the, the, the biggest decisions, the ones on the insiders began influencing uh, the, the major decisions, and it became about something they weren't planning on being about. And for us as a church, we got to ask, look, C.S. Lewis talked about that the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its non-members. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its non-members. So a church, when we start singing songs and making decisions to make internal people happy, we stop reaching people far from the church. The church is a rescue operation. The church is not meant for us. We're in, right? The church is meant for the mobilization of those who call themselves followers of Christ to be hope and light with people that disagree with them, with people that think they're crazy. This is our role as a church. This is what God's called us to do. And if you are like, that's not it, then re read your Bible, right? So who are we becoming as a church? So we're turning a page as a church, right? So we have a building now. We're moving from set up and tear down to a portable to permanent facility. You can look at this like in your personal life. If you move from like couch surfing to now you have a long-term lease, on an apartment. Okay, this is kind of our stage. We don't own a home yet, but we have a long-term lease when we're not couch surfing, right? So whenever things change in your life like that, you move, you got a new job, you got a promotion, you have a kid, your kid moves out, any kind of sort of change, whenever something changes in your life, you got to ask yourself, what else needs to change? What else needs to change? Because during times of change, there's less friction when you want to create other life changes. This is why so many times when you, people will come to the church for the first time and go, oh, we just moved here. We just moved here. So we thought we should start going to church. We just had a baby, so we thought we should start going to church. Right? Things changed, and they intuitively ask, what else needs to change? So it's a great time for us as a church to go, okay, who are we becoming? And as things are changing, as, a ch as we get a chance to kind of reinvent who we are, what else needs to change? So we're in this series called Picture This. Picture this, where we're going through and going, what is God's vision for the local church? Not what my vision is. Who cares what Taka's vision is? Who cares what the elder's vision is? My vision should never conflict with the vision God has for us, right? So what was God's original intent for the church? And are we doing that? Now, it's not going to look the same as it was 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet, 
but the same values, what does that look like today? So we're in this series called Picture This. We're going, what is the picture God sees when he looks at the church? And how do we move towards that? Again, we never, we'll never drift to that. The road from who we are to who we're called to be will always be uphill, will always be full of challenges. No one drifts to being healthy. No one drifts to having good relationships. No one drifts to making wise financial decisions, right? You always drift to, you know, one packs. You always drift to uh, your house doesn't, like, become cleaner, right, on accident. You always have to intentionally do that. So for us as a church, who are we called to be and how are we going to get there? And just know the path from here to there is going to be inconvenient. It will be inconvenient, right? I've never heard someone say, you know how I became an Olympic athlete? I spent a lot of time on the couch. I just did, what, what do I want to do right now? And I just did that, right? That's not how it happened. And for us as a church, it's not going to happen the same way either. So a couple weeks ago, we started this series, and we went through the book of Acts, kind of did a meta-narrative. There's your $10 word for the day. He did kind of a flyover, 30,000-foot view of the book of Acts, which is a story of the early church. So Jesus ascended, handed the keys of the church off to a bunch of just this motley crew of individuals, uh, 12 apostles, well, 11 apostles at the time, and then a, a bunch of other disciples, and he said, this is yours now. And what they did for the following years became what we know of as the book of Acts. And it culminates in what we're doing today. So we did kind of a flyover a couple weeks ago. And then last week, uh, Eric, one of the elders, talked about prayer, that God has called our house to be a house of prayer, that we should be known as people who pray, not just people who have cool lights or production or whatever, a CD. That's an old-fashioned word. Uh, tape ministry. Uh, we, we, we're not known for that, but we're called to be people who pray. And so simple question is, do you pray? Like, do you pray? As, as, as a first response, not a last resort. Like, do you pray? Like, really? And if not, don't overthink it. Just start praying. Right? Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't be like, oh, I'm not used to it. Okay, it doesn't matter. Do you pray? Start praying. Just start praying. Right? For little things like, I lost my keys, I should pray, to there's some big things I need to confront, I need to pray. Right? So, and everything in between. So, today, today's message is called Dream Team. Dream Team. So, our dream... And Dream Team is essentially the, the team that makes the dream happen, right? The dream for us as a church is to be an outpost of heaven, to be an outpost of heaven. You can look at it this way. The, the, the church is meant to be kind of this intersection between heaven and earth, right? Where we can introduce people to God and God to people. This is where kind of that handshake happens, right? Churches are actually meant to be embassies. You look at like, so the U.S. has an embassy uh, embassies all over the world and so many other countries do too as well, obviously. And our U.S. embassy in like Botswana is not Botswanan soil. That's, I think, think that's how you say it. It's not their soil. It's our soil. It's U.S. soil, right? U.S. laws, it's ours. The church is supposed to be the same way, right? It's an outpost of the values of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That is what, that, that, that's the verbiage we see in Scripture to the point where the word used for us, when you see a witness, be a witness for God, be an ambassador for God, the word is apostolos. And a lot of times it's translated to ambassador, an ambassador, right? So in other words, Jesus would say things like, when they see you, they'll know what I'm like, right? We're witnesses. This is why. And a lot of times Christians do great, and a lot of times Christians do not. So 
We as a church are meant to be, an, as a church building, as a church community, we're meant to be in an embassy full of a bunch of ambassadors. You're an ambassador of the gospel, right? And that could be a good or negative thing depending on kind of where you're at right now in your faith. And if you don't believe me, if I were to say, um, how many of you guys ever spent a season away from the church because you thought all Christians were hypocrites? Okay, why did you think that? You met all the Christians, right? Oh, all those pastors are all, all those Christians are all. Okay, why do you think that? You met a couple that represented the whole. They were ambassadors for the whole. Or you may say, no, Christians are loving. They're kind. They're patient. Why do, you, why do you think that? You met everybody? No? Because you met a couple, and they represented the whole. Right? You may be the only ambassador someone ever meets. You may be the only Christian's Facebook page, only Christian's Instagram story that anyone ever sees. How are you doing at being an ambassador? At representing the gospel, the kingdom values. So, what we do as ambassadors, you can put this on the screen, is we partner with God to expand his kingdom and model his values. We partner with God to expand his kingdom and model his values. This is our role as Christians, as Christ followers, to expand his kingdom. Expanding kingdom doesn't mean buying more and more plots of land and uh, building, build more buildings, right? <clears throat> I, you know, nothing, I, I don't want, no, okay, I'll say it, but I, mean, I, I, I don't have time to camp into it, just don't take this soundbite off, okay? Our primary mission is not to have a larger and larger campus with more and more buildings. That isn't bad, but it isn't the innate goal. Does that make sense? We're thankful we have an embassy, for lack of better words, but the goal isn't to have one bigger. The goal is to make heaven more crowded. The goal is that the, the city council members and the Parks and Rec and the, the mayor and the other, other businesses that are all around us, that they go, I know what the gospel is about. When I read the Bible, it's a lot like that church that meets over there. That's the goal. That's the goal. And if we get a, build a bigger building, cool. If we get a smaller building, cool. But if we're doing that, that is the goal, to expand the kingdom and then to model his values. Model his values. So many times, the conduct of Christians, me included, blurs what God is like, right? We should look like Christ, as much as we can. This is, why, this is why we lean into spiritual disciplines, right? So behind every dream, whether it's planting a church like what we're doing or, or it's providing clean water for those that need it or it's starting a tech company or whatever, behind every dream is a team, right? One person didn't land a guy on the moon. It was a team, right? Some you know about, some we'll never know about. It's a team. It's always a team, a team that says, count me and I'll help carry the load. Last week at staff meeting, uh, ironically, <laughs> we were talking about this idea of carrying a burden, that a leader's job, a leader's job is not to give someone else to-dos. A leader, you're not a good leader if you just transfer a to-do list. A leader's job is not just to give inspiration, to give helpful tips. A leader's job is to transfer the burden to those you lead. That they understand, it's almost like they plug in their heart to your heart, and they understand the why behind what we're doing, right? It was so ironic, in the middle of staff meeting, right before we were talking about that, a guy named Eric, who usually plays bass, and he actually hung every single TV that you see around here, uh, Eric hung them up, and that's why they're solid. You can do pull-ups on the thing, right? He's what he does for a living. Um, and when I watched, I, I've hung up TVs in my house, and I thought it was fine, you know, it was fine. They wobbled a little bit, but I mean, you know what, just don't hang on them, right? It's fine, just... 
there's a little blast zone. Just stay out of the, you know, don't, don't be too close. But when you watch him do it, it's like, oh, that's better. Like, that's how, anyway, so he, we hung two TVs. I was the gopher for him, and we hung two TVs. And then later that, like, a few hours later, he calls me, and he goes, hey, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this. I think we're supposed to take that TV down and use that bracket. It's more heavy duty. I'll get another one for these, the bigger TVs in, in the main room. And he goes, sorry to bother you, but I just cannot stop thinking about it. I was like, no, that's awesome. You know what that is? You, want, you, you have the burden. I stopped thinking about it. But it, you, you, you couldn't, you literally couldn't stop thinking about it. That's the burden. They understand the why. They understand the responsibility. This is important because in, in Proverbs 29, it says this. Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And we know that to be true. We can keep that on the screen. We need a mission bigger than us. We all need a mission bigger than us. We all need a dream bigger than us, right? When you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, you lose drive. Some of you guys have been part of organizations and teams like that. When their values get askewed or you don't even, there isn't any vision or there aren't any, we're just clocking in, clocking out, you lose momentum, right? It's like, why am I even here? Like, I'll do work, but I'm not driven. I'm not going to put any extra time in. I'm sure not going to give, like, my best effort. Why? And you know the teams that whether it could be a softball team or it could be a startup or it could be a gas station. When you were part of a team where you understood the why for that team, you were in. You leaned into that, right? When it's only about us, we flame out. When it's only about us, we lose momentum. This is why even doing something as simple as you caring about your health, if you do it for you, you're not going to do that for very long unless you're really narcissistic, right? And you have a full gas tank there to go off of. But unless, but unless you're that way, you're going to stop working out, stop making good decisions at some point because you're doing it just for you. But if you look at health in a different way, if you look at health because you want to be as useful in the hands of a working God for as long as possible, it's different. When you have kids, you're going, I want to be healthy for my kids. I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to be able to, you know, beat them at sports to show them humility, right? I want to be able to play with my grandkids one day. You have a bigger why. You'll keep working out. You'll keep making good decisions because you're living for something bigger than you. This is how we're designed to live. Another version says instead of where the people where there's no vision, the people perishes. There's actually one translation that say where the where there's no vision, the, the people cast off restraint. In other words, they lose discipline when they don't know why. This is why vision is so important. It's not a matter of what are you doing. That's kind of basic. But why are you doing what you're doing? So for those that are on the the, the world vision team, running for clean water. Okay, we're kind of in the messy middle now, huh? So it was exciting at first. Signed up, let's run, clean water, got it. You know what it looks like now? I don't want to run. I don't want to ask people for money. I want to just watch a TV show and go to bed. But I know I should run. And I said that yesterday and the day before that. And I didn't then either. This looks like the messy middle. Where if your why isn't big enough, you're going to stop doing it. Right? But if you understand that you're providing health and safety and a future to people that need you, you'll do it. If you understand that there's people, literally right now, this is not like whatever, this, you know, this is true. There are people right now all around the world carrying water for miles, praying, praying, God, would you provide a way for me not, not to, have to do this? Will you provide a way where I can be safe, not have to worry about getting abducted, not have to worry about the water that we carried for hours for miles that makes us sick anyways, 
God, would you provide a different way? And then you are texting your aunt, can you support me? It matters. It matters. It's a bigger why. I know it's hard. Of course it's hard. Everything worth doing is hard. Eating Cheetos is easy, right? It's always easy to do the, the stuff that doesn't matter. So it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But the converse is true. Where there are no people, the vision perishes. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Sure. When there are no people, the vision perishes. Do you know why we as a church are still kicking? You know why as a church that I believe, I think a lot of us believe that the best days of this church are still ahead of us? It's not because I'm super talented because, my gosh, the church is alive despite me, right? The reason why the church is still going, the best days are ahead, is because of you. And I know you're, you, some of you guys are going, oh, not me. I just wrapped a cord. I just painted a wall. I just gave some money. No, no, no. But we all did something. You're like, no, 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 it was God. God did it all. Yes, God did. But who did God send? Right? How did God provide? How did God provide the finances we need to do this? How did God provide chairs and cameras and paint? You know how expensive paint is? I didn't realize until I had to buy like a ton of gallons, you know, and we're going to buy more for the kids' wing because trust me, it's a win-win. But how did God provide paint? How did God clean this space and put together furniture and put together chairs and invite friends? And how did God run small groups? I've never seen a small group led by Jesus, right? It's been led by a bunch of people who said, I could be home right now, but I'm going to do this instead. I'm afraid I'm going to do this wrong, but I'll do this instead, right? God used you. The ability to accomplish any sort of dream comes from people saying, I'm in. I'm in. And every single person, you put this on the screen, every single person that helps carry the load accelerates the vision. Here's why this is important, is there were a ton of people this week that put in, again, long hours to make this happen. Now, if one person, if just me and Natalie were, were, were two people, if we were doing this by ourselves, would this get done? Sure. It would take a lot longer, right? Weeks, months to do it. And every single person that said, I'm in, I'll help buy this, I'll help volunteer here, I'll, help I'll, I'll come and I'll, you can use my truck, I'll invite friends. Every single person that said, you can count on me, I'll help carry some of the load, accelerated the vision. And that's the way it is with anything. So when we as a church realize that a church is not a building, the church is a people, everything changes. This has been easy for us to understand as a church because before this Sunday, we've never had a building. Right? One of the cons of having a building because we can begin to think that church is a building. This was easy for us to understand because we were, of course the church is a people. Because we can say this week we're at Pepper Tree Park and this week we're at Encore Theater and this week we're at... You know, we're not having church this week or whatever. And we still existed as a church because we knew intuitively we were in a building. We're going to have to push against that now, right? Because the church is not something we attend. The church is something we're a part of. The church is not a political stance. The church is a family. The church is a community. The church is not left or right. It's a group of people saying, I don't have to be right. I don't have to be correct. I don't have to prove you wrong. I can learn from you. I want to understand before I seek to be understood. This is the posture of humility, right? The church is a bunch of broken people, a bunch of messed up people, a bunch of people who feel like imposters more than we like to admit, who have been changed by God's love, who have been changed by God's grace. And everything that we do now is enabling other people to experience that same thing. 
So if you feel like you are not perfect, if you feel like you mess up and you say things, if, you, if, you're, if you're anything like me, I'll go to some kind of like dinner party or a gathering, and the first thing I think of when I get back in the car with Natalie is all the dumb things I said and did that night. You know what I mean? There's so many times where I'm saying things, I'm going, what are you saying right now? Why are you saying this still? Stop it. And if you feel awkward, join the club. If you feel imperfect, if you feel like you don't, you mess up all the time, you're in the right place. Perfect people can go to a different church. That's not us. And that's not the kingdom of heaven. And when you understand, when you go from the church is a building to, to a church is a, a family, the church is a political stance, and you have to have this political stance in order to be a, a church member, when you go from that to the church is a family, a community, where we learn from each other and serve one another and put up with each other's burdens, it changes, right? It changes everything. There's less guilt. There's less shame. There's more joy. There's more hope. There's more purpose. The tone of the room is different. I debated sharing this passage that we're about to uh, end with because it can come across as self-serving, but it was a defining, if not the defining characteristic of the early church. It's in the book of Acts, and it's Acts chapter 4, and it says this, all the believers were in one heart, I'll just read it and then we'll kind of break it down for a sec. All the believers were in one heart and mind, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the re- resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that all there were, and them all, that there were no needy people. Uh, I can read good. Uh, for uh, <laughs> there were no needy persons among them. From, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And then it gives you an example. Joseph, in particular, some of you guys know him, Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So what do we see here? All the believers were one. They were one. It didn't say they agreed. It didn't say they all had the same upbringing, the same perspective, but they were one. They focused on what they agreed on, not what they disagreed on. Look, guys, we couldn't agree on what movie to watch this afternoon. We couldn't agree on what we're to go out for lunch. Do you think we're going to agree on bigger issues? Really? Sunday mornings are the most segregated hour in, in, in all the week. We split up by our tribes, our ethnicities, our age, our music preference. That is not what it's meant to be. You don't like the music that we sing on Sunday mornings? Great. Listen to whatever you want all week. You can do that on your phone. Like play whatever music you want. But let's not fight over the three songs we pick on Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Like, we can all agree that this this carpet's ugly, I think, but we're going to pick a different color carpet, and it may not be the carpet you like. It's okay. I've literally seen church splits. Some of you guys have too, over the color of carpet. Come on, man. You think Jesus is smiling over that? You know what I mean? So we got to be big. They were one in mind. They were one in mind. They were one in heart. So they were in sync. The second thing was, this is a huge defining characteristic, is they didn't see their stuff as their stuff. They didn't see their stuff as their stuff. This goes against a lot of times what we have in Western thinking. I work hard for my stuff. And this is not like you don't have any stuff. It's not that. It's when we realize that all of our stuff is God's stuff. You take care of it. The word there in Scripture is steward. Steward. So God gives me stuff, finances and 
places to live and cars or whatever, they're not mine. They're his, and I just do whatever he wants me to do with them. And if he asks me to let someone borrow them, cool. If he asks me to take care of it and keep it for myself, cool. If he asks me to give it away, cool. But it's God's stuff. So my posture isn't, God, how much of my stuff do you want? My posture is, God, what do you want me to do with all your stuff? And so this is what they did. It didn't say that they sold their home and they lived in a box. I get the, the, the idea that they had extra homes, multiple homes, multiple pieces of land. And from time to time, there was a need that they didn't have the liquidity to help support. For, I'm, I'm not, I don't think they bought church building necessarily. It doesn't say that, but just whatever needs were in the community. And they sold what they had, so they had the liquidity to help people in the congregation. Because sometimes you're going to be strong and other people will be weak. And sometimes, as weird as it sounds, you'll be weak and someone else will have to be strong for you. Right? So many of us, even though we feel like, man, those people just need to work harder or they, they can be more like me. We wouldn't say that out loud because it sounds really weird, but we think it. But the reality is if you were to get sick and you were to lose a few months paycheck, you'd be in the same shoes. Some of us are one or two paychecks away from being in a totally different position. So help others now because one day you will need to be helped. And they, so they had everything open-handed. And every so often they would sell what they had and free up resources for whatever the kingdom needs were at the moment. And then he goes, even if you don't believe me, there's that guy Joseph. Remember the Levite from Cyprus? Some people call him Barnabas. Or even, he's even given like the street names of this guy. So it's like, you know this guy. Like he's a real guy, right? Joseph, no, no, not from there, but from Cyprus. The Levite from Cyprus. Barnabas, you know this guy. Remember, he sold his field. Like he's getting very specific. So that they go, no, 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 this really happens, guys. Like, this really needs to happen. And then the rest of the book of Acts, the rest of this whole thing of 28 chapters, people joining the church, people finding hope, people being healed physically, emotionally, mentally, they're being healed. They're taking missions trips, modern word, well, modern for then, missions trips where the, the lay people of the church are being sent out all over the known world at the time to share the gospel with people that have never heard the gospel before. And then the movement grows. And, Hi, Siri. Uh, the movement would eventually reach you and me. It grew and grew and grew, spun momentum, went on ships, and eventually it landed here in Orange County. Someone sacrificed. Someone gave. Someone was on a dream team. They may not have called it that. They may have called it a Sunday school teacher. But someone did something. Someone gave to buy a building and, or whatever your story is, and then you came to faith. And now your kids are being impacted. We're being impacted as a church family now. So the question is then, who is God going to reach through you? We're here, we're here because Jesus had a dream 2,000 years ago, and people said, back then, count me in. And a lot of people said, no, that's too much. I got, I got stuff I got to do. People said, count me in. And the dream is the same way to death, to today. We've gotten this far as a church because so many of you and people that have come before that have since moved away have said, count me in. I think about people who are watching online right now, because I know you. You're watching online or you're listening to the podcast that no longer go to voice because you don't even live here anymore. They moved all around the nation, but they continue to give financially to the vision of the church because they're going, look, I can't set up chairs because we don't live there anymore. We can't, we can't like go run a small group, but we can give. That's something we can do. And that allows other people to put chairs up that we buy, that, that, you know, so they can do their part. And so they said, count me in. Some of you guys have yet to make a decision to be a team member, a dream team member. 
I'm, I'm not saying you have to be one today. I'm just saying think about it. Think about it. The more people say count me in, the more we can accelerate the vision. Here's the thing. So you, you may say, I don't want to be on stage. You don't have to be on stage. What we're going to do is we're going to put, we want you to be where you're gifted and passionate to be. If you're not good with kids, trust me, nobody wants you to be in kids department, right? That's not a win for anybody. The kids most of all, right? Some of you guys are literally going like one of the guys um, this week was like, I can't do a lot. I, I can lift heavy things, literally. So he met me here at 8 a.m. last Wednesday morning. We just moved a bunch of stuff, right? He's like, that's all I get. I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to, like, I greet people. I just want to lift heavy stuff. So we, we did. And he did a, it was super helpful, right? So what are you passionate about? What are you gifted to do? Here's another question. What are you curious about? What are you curious about? You may go, I've always wanted to learn about lighting. I've always wanted to learn about whatever, running cords and learning how like how, how electrical stuff and uh, not electrical but like production stuff works you don't you don't want to learn electrical that's anyways but you, you want to learn like productions type stuff we can teach you we can teach you your curiosity may be a way god leads you to something you're called to do so anyways um here's how we're gonna end here's how we're gonna worst team can come on up um in your seat back which we have seat backs now uh in your seat back there should be a um piece of paper um and it has just information on Dream Team teams. Here's what I just ask you to do. Whenever you're ready, pray about it. Remember last week you talked about being a house of prayer. Pray about it and join on a team. It will work with your schedule to make it a rotation. So you're not like, it's not like you're going to do this every week for the rest of your life. We're going to make it a rotation, all right? Everyone needs to miss church here and there and, and go on vacation and all that kind of stuff. So it's not going to be a burden. Here's what I, here's what I think is going to happen. As you do this, you'll find church going from a service to a family, from a building to a community. I heard so many people on one end say, I am sad, uh, or I'm excited that we're getting a building, but there is a little bit of sadness too with some people because there was natural community built as we're setting up and tearing down that we're not going to have anymore because everything is pretty much set up. You know, there's a few things outside, but for the most part, it's set up. And people were bummed because they're like, we're going to lose that community. Well, when we shut this room down in the afternoon, go get some food together. We all got to eat, right? Some of us are really good at that. So do it together. Do it together. Build community. Don't let church be a service or something you attend. There's a lot of churches where you can slip in, slip out. We never want to be one of those churches. This is a family. This is a family, so get to know family. So what I highly challenge you to do, praying for you to do this, I hope it bothers you, I hope it like lean into your discomfort, is hop on a team. Hop on a team. And here's the thing, if you hop on a team and you're like, I thought I would like this, I really don't. Okay, we'll hop on a different team. You may go, I had a bad experience volunteering on this thing before or at another church or whatever. Okay, you've gotten a bad haircut before, you didn't stop getting haircuts. You've had bad meals before. You didn't stop eating sandwiches. You know what I mean? Like, you, you try again because it's worth it. It's worth it, right? So if, if, the, if the team isn't a fit, we'll find you a good fit, all right? But God's called you to be a part of this. So how do we find you your right spot, all right? It should be a thing of freedom and hope, not obligation and shame. That's not the goal, all right? So let's pray, and then we'll sing one last song, and we will uh, dismiss, all right? God, we just thank you for our new space. Thank you that we are not couch surfing as a church anymore. God, we pray for this space, every room in this facility. God, I pray that your spirit would change people like only you can. 
God, I pray that the kids and the kid ministry would find a relationship with you, find hope in you, despite all the constructs and the religious stuff and probably a lot of doctrine that we probably have wrong, God. Despite all of that, God, I pray that they would find a relationship with you and that would sustain them. God, I pray that you would use this room, that people would would connect with the living God that would go from doctrine to a relationship. God, I pray even in the, in the lobby, once we, especially once you tear down the walls and make it an inviting space, God, I pray that the, the walls that people have in their hearts, God, I pray that those would come down. God, I pray that people would find home there, they'd find relationships there, that people talking before and after service, that they would find lifelong friends in the lobby. All the hesitations they had about going to church, I pray those would dissipate in that lobby. And God, we submit this building to you. We submit our lives to you. However long you have, the the years or decades that you have left for us, God, we want to use them for you. Would you make them matter? Would you help people to find faith in you because of our efforts? God, we don't want to just build a church. We don't want to just build a brand. God, that's not our goal. God, we want people to meet you. Help us to do that. We do all this as worship to you. And would you give wisdom to every single person? Would you guide each person of what team is the right fit for them? God, I pray against any guilt, any shame, any condemnation. I pray that no one feels like their arms are twisted, God, in any way. God, I pray that people would find lifelong relationships and mission and purpose and vision for their life as they hop on a team. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.